Welcome everyone to today's show. I'm your host, Tim Coons. This is our fall special, a somewhat Halloween-leaning episode. Last year, we released an episode in this season titled A Graveyard Walk of Lynn Grove Cemetery. We featured some history of Weld County and we talked about the legacies that we leave. If you've never heard it, or if you want to re-listen to it, it's available with other past podcasts, all for free. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. We're continuing this tradition of looking at our history and sharing stories in this October Weld Found as well. This show is titled Spirits of Downtown Greeley. Today we're with Matt Estrin, owner of Tower 56 Distilling, who just changed their name to 477 Distilling. There's a meaningful story behind this. Stay tuned. And joining Matt and I is Paul Nosfinger, an entertainer who performs what he calls bizarre magic. He's lived in Greeley his entire life and shares with us some ghost stories of downtown. So from just introducing these two guests, you can tell this conversation is lively, talking about the spirits of downtown Greeley while enjoying the spirits of downtown Greeley. We started at 477 Distilling and then went to the basement of Matt's new venture, the Greeley Hatchet House, where I got to see for the first time in my history of Greeley an entrance into one of Greeley's infamous tunnels. Thanks for joining us today, friends. As always, this show is made possible by the Weld Community Foundation, who encourages us to spread the good. For more information, go to weldcommunityfoundation.org. We begin with a toast at 477. Let's raise a glass, friends. Welcome to Weldfound. Let's give a cheers to yeah. uh, living life yeah. and living here. For sure. What do we got here? Uh, just bourbon. Yeah. Yeah. Your bourbon. Saying hello to folks. You know the, the, the feel of the show. Yeah. And uh, I gotta get to it's it's quiet, you gotta lower your voice a little bit. <laughs> it's like speaking your voice. It is. <laughs> so while you're talking also. Yeah, yeah, just you gotta, you get a little deeper. Hello, everybody. This hey, is Matt hey, from Tower hey, 56. I know you're in your car right now, <laughs> listening to me. <laughs> Smooth sounds. Uh, my name is Matt Estrin, and I'm the owner here of uh, Tower 56 Distilling, uh, soon to be called 477 Distilling uh, in downtown Greeley, Colorado. Uh, I've been a Greeleyite for about 12 years now. I moved here to take a position as a worship pastor at Journey Christian Church here in Greeley and uh, enjoyed my eight years working with them and decided it was time to move on and do something different. And so a, a pretty normal transition for people is from a full-time ministry to producing alcohol. And so I decided to make that, met that transition. And, and so here we are, uh, Tower 56, soon to be 477 distilling. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the, I mean, I walked in and you told me today, I'm probably releasing this big news tomorrow uh, that we are doing a full rebranding name yep. change. And so tell a little bit of the story of that and then and how you got to the name 477. Sure. So when we when we opened, uh, we chose a name, Tower 56 Distilling, uh, after a, uh, a family beach house in Southern California uh, where there's a lifeguard tower that has a 56 on it. And it's a story and a brand that has been incredibly meaningful to me and to my family um, and quite honestly to a number of customers. And uh, But one of the pains that we have felt over the last two years is that it's really hard to sell a California story in a Colorado market. And um, we, uh, we found out earlier in the summer that our brand name was uh, similar to another brand that was starting to distribute in Colorado. And we 
uh, initially tried to make it work with both people carrying a similar brand, but after um, really examining our business, what our goals were for the future, we decided to move on to another brand. And our, our desire was that this next time around, we'd, we'd pick a, a name that was meaningful to the city that we love, Greeley, um, that was meaningful to the community that has supported us for the last two years uh, in our highest times and even through a pandemic. Um, and so we dove headfirst into research of Colorado his Greeley history, Colorado history, alcohol history, and found that the, the roots of alcohol in the city of Greeley are fascinating, and it's an incredible history. Um, and so we've chosen the name 477 Distilling because in 1969, uh, Greeley was still a dry city uh, when there was a vote on the ballot to end temperance and legalize the manufacturing and sale of alcohol. Um, and that vote passed by only 477 votes uh, to, to make alcohol legal in our incredible city. And so we represent those 477 people that trusted that someday there would be great manufacturers of distilled spirits and beer and maybe wine in our incredible city. And so we want to represent them and, and be proud of our heritage and the city that, uh, that we live in. What I love about alcohol is not so much the the product itself. I love the culture around alcohol, and that's why I got into uh, developing a distillery and having the tasting room and doing it where we did it here in downtown Greeley, is because I love the community that forms around uh, alcohol. And as goofy as that sounds, I mean, uh, you know, walking into a Weldworks and having a full room of people, and uh, or walking into. Uh, 477 and having a full room of people having cocktails and um, what I found is is that in in the, the community and the culture of alcohol um, it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter what you look like it doesn't matter what political vote you're voting for um, it doesn't matter if you're rich it doesn't matter if you're poor uh, it just people kind of unite under this banner of uh, craft spirits, craft beer, craft wine, um, and it's such an incredible culture. I love being a part of it. I love the inclusivity of it. Um, I love being around people that share the same passions and excitement for it. And so that's really what got me excited to, to get into this industry, to start this business, and, and what keeps me going here in, in, uh, in two years into our business. Uh, you know, so I spent I spent eight years at a church here in Greeley, uh, two years at a church down in Denver, uh, five years working for a nonprofit Christian organization. Previous to that, and and the majority of my career before being in alcohol was was in the church world, and I loved it. I I loved every second of it. I, I'm grateful for my time at all the places that I worked. Um, I have nothing bad to say about them, um, but one of the things I found, and, and you talked about this in the in, in early podcast, was um, that that community community was based on a pre-existing um, belief system and and then that was it and so we are all gathering in this building together because of we believe X Y and Z we're gathering in the small group together because we believe X Y and Z um, and if you don't believe X Y and Z it's harder to be a part of that community and um, and so for a time um, you know there was a, a part of me that really wanted to engage in relationships and be around people that that, that weren't a part of that culture um, and so it was really refreshing to get into this 
industry and um, open this business and all of a sudden be be uh, exposed uh, to so many different types of people, so many different types of beliefs, so many different, uh, you know, just, just a, a, a wide range of people. And I found that I've really developed some of the best friendships I have um, in, in this type of a culture, in this setting than I did when, when I was a part of some of my previous life. Not to take anything away from my time at the church. It's important in, in the work it does. In Greeley and other cities, it's incredibly important. But for me, it was, um, I just found such a tight community um, in, in this place where there wasn't a, a preset system of beliefs that, that you had to have in order to be a part of that community. Yeah, and, and that was um, kind of the concept of, of like belief leading into belonging, or does belonging shape and lead into belief? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. fascinating. After hearing from Matt about how he hopes his business can be a place where community and culture is created, we then had Paul talk a bit about himself. Uh, my name is Paul Knopfsinger and I have a magic show called The Mystery Collection. It's based on the idea that objects hold the energies of people that own them in the past. Kind of a, a paranormal show and tell type show. We do a little bit of ghosts, a little bit of mind reading, a little bit of prediction, a little bit of everything. Awesome. I spent 18 years in finance. I worked for community banks, I worked for the Chamber of Commerce, and most recently for the world's largest beef company. And right before I turned 40 years old, I decided that uh, I didn't want to spend the second chapter of my life, the second half of the, the book, doing something that was awesome and, and doing something for myself. I didn't think that my kids would be, you know, when I'm long gone, I didn't think my kids would be able to brag to their grandkids about, oh man, you should have seen my, my dad. He could balance two Excel spreadsheets at once. So I'd always wanted to be a magician. And I, and I started taking it a little bit more serious than a hobby and was getting, getting paid to do some shows. So I decided to, to quit my job type job and jump in and, and try to do it for, for real. And awesome. so, so when I was about 40 years old, I quit my job and, and jumped in, wrote a show called The Mystery Collection and uh, did 10 weeks at a local restaurant. Then within about six months, I was a consultant for a performer on America's Got Talent. A couple months later, Penn and Teller, Fool Us, I was a consultant for that. So it's, it's worked. Awesome. So, but so, so Matt seen my show, and, and it's it's hard to describe my show as a magic show. It really, it really is. I mean, if you think you're going in to see a magic show, you're going to be disappointed because there's no um, leaky rings, there's no you know flowers that come out of vases. It, you're going to hear some really, really fun, well, I think, well developed and well researched stories, and and see some pretty uh, some pretty incredible things. The 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 magic doesn't. I think. My problem with magicians is they, they stand up in front of an audience and say, watch what I can do. And the way I've built my show is it's all based on what the spectators do. Every show's different because it's up to the spectators to make decisions and the spectators get to kind of drive. I'm a facilitator. I, I bring some really cool objects in and the, the spectators get to hear the story. I have a couple rules when I create a new routine. There has to be something Google-proof because every now everybody has a phone. Everybody has a phone in your audience and they're looking up to make sure they're fact-checking you. You know, it's unfortunately, unlike the debates, they fact check magic shows. <laughs> and they, uh, you know, and I've got people that call me out on things. And so I, I make a couple things that are Google proof. And then um, the rest I just make, make magic. Talk about the, um, 
the book Boys Boys, Boys Life. Life by Robert McCammon. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and so tell me a little bit about that story. Well, I uh, it's a it's a big deal to me. That book Robert Mc, by Robert McCammon is a big deal, and uh, and I read out of it. I open every show by reading a verse out of it, and uh, I don't wanna, I won't read it to you. you. Should you should read it? It's good. Um, but it talks about the idea that we all at one time believed in magic. Uh, that we grew up believing in 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 shooting stars and and all the, the magic that came with being a kid and then over time we get that taken out of us we get it churched out and spanked out and combed out and bathed out I think that's exactly what he says and and it's done by people who have lost that magic and they, they they're afraid of what what the the youth and the the, the, the wonder in kids is going to become because they've let it fall apart in them and so I asked my audience to remember what it was like the first time you saw a shooting star the first time you saw a tadpole or the second time I guess you saw a tadpole is even cooler than the first because then it has legs right and so just to remember that 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 there is magic and if you just you just kind of get past the everyday kind of boring parts of life that, that there's magic everywhere We left 477 Distilling and walked over to the Greeley Hatchet House across from the Rio. Or what is to become the Greeley Hatchet House. Everything was still in process, with workers there putting in sheetrock and doing a few small building projects. We went to the basement so I could see part of a famous Greeley tunnel. And we continued our conversation of history and spirits. A table here that behind it you'll have a bunch of coolers so you can get beer and wine and... Uh, you'll have targets on the walls, and you'll throw axes. It's, it's a really simple concept. It's not fancy. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's gonna be so fun. It's gonna be super fun. So. And our basement will be a good spot for sure. God, I love these old buildings, and then their basements. Yep. So this shows you a little bit of what a tunnel would have looked like. It looks like they've kind of filled it in here. Wow. It would have been wider to the edge of this. And then they've obviously they've filled it in. So I mean that's not very that's not very wide at all. No, they were not wide. No way. They were they were like Yeah, they're about that big, yeah. So you see the tunnels are not big. No. God, that's terrifying. Yeah. Like to think to think like trying to travel through there. What were they used to? Are you you know, you know what they're used for? Um, that, yes, I could. Yeah, I could tell you all about okay, it. Okay, yeah, so, tell me about tell me about the tunnels. Uh, so there's a series of tunnels here in downtown Greeley um, that are all over downtown. And the the historical view of it is there was a, a a businessman by the name of Daniel Camfield, and he owned most of the buildings in downtown Greeley. Uh, he owned the courthouse, and at one point it was called the Camfield Courthouse. And he also owned uh, property now, uh, what is where the armory is, but it used to be the Camfield Hotel. And then several other buildings around downtown, including one that was a um, like a power plant that would produce heat for buildings. And it goes all the way to UNC, doesn't it? Uh, it doesn't go to UNC, no. Oh, okay. There's rumors that it goes all the way to Garden City, but that's not true. Okay. Um, so, uh, from what I've seen, it's not true. Okay. Um, and uh, and so somewhere in the early 1900s, I think it was 1911, he uh, Camfield petitioned the Greeley City Council to build a series of tunnels between all of his buildings. And uh, the reason for it was he wanted to use the tunnels for heating, so from this, this, this heat source that he had would send steam heat to all these different buildings and it would heat the buildings from the ground up. And so the, the, uh, the city council allowed for that to happen. Um, but the untold story and the rumor- Paid for, for by the government. Paid for, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The untold story that, uh, that, that uh, nobody will confirm nor deny is that the tunnels were used um, to sneak people in and out of the hotel where they 
would partake in alcoholic beverages and other activities. Um, and, uh, and so there's a story that I've read that uh, you would have judges at the Canfield Courthouse that would punish criminals by day for using alcohol. And when they were done, they would climb into the tunnels, they would go over to the Canfield Hotel and they would partake in alcohol themselves. And so um, all the tunnels in downtown Greeley have been boarded up. And so if you find a building that has a tunnel, it's a, it's a boarded up entrance. There's several down here. Um, in fact, there was a bunch under the Greeley Tribune building. Uh, he, uh, Canfield owned a bunch of buildings where that was, and uh, they ended up building a neighborhood over the top of it before the Greeley Tribune building was there. And when the Tribune bought that plot of land, they leveled all the homes and they found all the tunnels underneath the homes. And so the Tribune boarded up all the tunnels and then put the, the Trib building on top of it. So it's pretty fascinating. Uh, I would love to find somebody that would confirm that it was used for prohibition, but uh, nobody, nobody to this date will confirm or deny that the tunnels were used for any prohibition purposes. There's a lot better tunnels than Murillo. Oh yeah, I wanted to take a picture. I'll say the better one than Murillo, and there's a better one in uh, Patrick's is pretty good too. Ah, so super cool. Very cool. If you can't get a denial, that means it's true. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is great. While talking with Paul, he mentioned a couple times that he's lived his whole life here in Greeley. So I asked him. Yeah, what's it like to, to watch a place slowly change so much in the last 45 years? Well, I, I, oh man, that's a very weighted question. Really, it's a way different place than it is. I would have never imagined people would line up to pay 11 bucks for cocktails in downtown Greeley. <laughs> I would have never imagined. And there's a line every night to do it, you know? And I would have never imagined that uh, the, 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 the things downtown, the Friday Fests, are amazing. They're great. I, I think that, you know, Greeley's really changed. And I think it's kind of gotten rid of the the old stigma of uh, the cow town that smells. And I think the, the UNC's done a lot for that. I think the city of Greeley, the, the arts and entertainment division of the city of Greeley, I think Jason Evanson over there's done a great thing with the Jazz Fest and bringing in some of the big, the big you know, events. And I think a lot of the businesses like Matt and, and the, the guys at Weldworks stepping up and, and making, putting Greeley on the, on the map for things other than you know, the Stampede. So, but, I, but I mean, Greeley is, as, as Matt said earlier, Greeley is, there's an interesting history in Greeley that I don't know that it, it is the same in a lot of other places. We've got this level of stubbornness on both sides of our fences that I don't, I don't know if it's that same way everywhere. You know, I've been, I've been lucky enough to, uh, my degree's in history, and so I've been lucky enough to travel around and meet other historians and, and talk with other tour guides and that kind of stuff about, about the history in their towns. And I just keep coming back that there's a, a level of stubbornness in Greeley on our history. I mean, we didn't have alcohol till 1969. My, my grandpa's name is on the, one of Matt's posters that uh, for, he was one of the, how many people were on that? 20 people or something? 20 people that signed. That the... signed to, to get rid of the liquor ban. He put his name on the poster. <laughs> We closed our conversation together with a short ghost story tour. Paul talked about mysteries still held at the Weld County Courthouse and other haunted locations in downtown. He's working on how to incorporate some of this lore for his own magic show. Here's Paul. I've researched a couple ghost stories, and I am, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, I have lived in Greeley for 45 of my 45 years. So, so I've been part of it for a, for a long time. Uh, my grandpa was one of the uh, developers in the 60s and 70s of downtown Greeley, and when they when they rebuilt it, the I don't know maybe the 11th time, and um, so so he uh, so some of these stories have come down through through my family. Um, right at the corner, um, right in the corner across from where Woody's used to be, they so the story goes that you know they they 
the WD French story. They broke him out of prison uh, December 22nd, 1888. They dragged him out, they hung him on a tree. The tree branch broke when they were getting him down. Uh, several days later, the tree starts dying, all the, the other branches start dying, and the tree died within a year, so they had to dig up the tree and get rid of it. And the story is that the ghost haunted the tree and made sure the tree died. So there's been several reports of people in the courthouse seeing W.D. French walk around. They say that sometimes they see him with a hood, sometimes they see him in his suit, and but that he, he walks the hallways of the courthouse. So I've never seen it, but but there are several several people that, that work there that have. So the Clarion Hotel is the parking lot behind it is where the G Theater was, I think. You may cut that out if you find out differently. Well, anyway, the G Theater was a, 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 a theater theater. It was for, for stage stage acts. And uh, in, in the mid-70s was the first report of a ghost. And they believe it was one of two women. There's reports of a tall woman that was blonde, and they, they never got a name out of her, but a psychic talked to her. They brought a psychic in, and the psychic... What year did you know when this the psychic is, was? 1978, and the, they believe it was a tall woman who's an actress, and she was murdered by the theater manager because he was he murdered her to hide their romantic affair and buried her in the dirt floor basement. That's one story that, that people believe it is. The other story people think it's this, it's Cora Allen who went by the name of Rose, and that's still one of the most famous unsolved mysteries of, of Greeley, Colorado. She was murdered on the night of June 10th, 1916 in her house down here. And she, she was a very popular woman. People enjoyed her. She was 42 years old when she was murdered. And somebody came into her house and shot her in her house. And nobody ever, there was never any, any, any details about it. And they think that maybe she, uh, she's the one that is, is roaming around looking for. You know, they say ghosts are people that uh, are, have unsolved business or unfinished business. And so they're, they're walking around. So that could, be, that could be why Cora Rose is still walking around. The JC's haunted house used to be at the at the G Theater for years, and some of the scariest haunted houses in, in Greeley were run through there. Uh, it was torn down in 1985. I was 10, so I unfortunately did not get to go to any of the any of the JC's haunted houses at G Theater. So they would just set up like in the 80s a haunted house in the old. They used the to. They did this up until I was probably in high school. The JC's group, the local JC's group, used to set up uh, before the Rio. It was in the building where the Rio was for for years. And we used to come down and they'd walk you through, they'd come up this, your stairs, they'd come up the stairs of Tower 56, which used to be the, the that was the deli when that was a Woolworths. You would walk up your stairs the back and then you'd come through and come out the front door. And they'd, they'd snake you through the, oh, the Rio, through your place and the Rio before it became the Rio in, in Tower 56. And uh, yeah, that was, the, that was a deli counter back where, where Tower 56 was. And they had a, an old soda fountain and hot dogs and stuff. The, every time I have a friend come visit from out of town, we go, one of the first stops we go is to Lynn Grove Cemetery, and we always go visit Wilbur French. And the other one I take him to is the clown, this, the tombstone for the, I think they have nine or seven, nine performers named of the, of the 12 or something. But do you know the story? There was a train, um, and my details, my details are sketchy because I'm still working on it. I think it was, I'm gonna say it was the mid 1800s, late 1800s, they, uh, a train was coming from Windsor to Denver, and it was the Orton Brothers Circus. And there was a fire on one of the carts. Well, they just pulled the plug and left. And they left a burning cart with dead bodies in Greeley and left. 
and the townspeople came together and gave him a proper burial. And uh, the woman who worked at the, the, the monument place right across, I don't remember her name, she's the one that did a lot of the research to find the names. And so they've got some of the names on, and they think they update the tombstone every, I don't know, so often. It's a newer tombstone. But I just, I, I love the idea of, of circus people ghosts, you know? I just, I just love it. I love that idea. And I've got a couple routines based in my show based on uh, my grandma Isla from Fort Morgan took me to a circus when I was a kid. And it wasn't a Ringling Brothers circus. It was one of these circus that's set up in parking lots, you know, kind of the fly-by-night circus. And so I've got some really fun stories about that and about paying 50 cents to see a chupacabra and the, the bearded lady and the man-eating snake and that kind of stuff. I, I love that idea of circus. So, so that's a story I'm gonna work on is the, the the haunting of the, the circus circus people. It, um, so you know you 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 travel to New, or New Orleans and other and other places and out, outside of Greeley, Colorado. But a lot of your stories tend to be based within the folklore of where you've grown up. Yeah, why do you yeah. feel Why do you feel pulled towards that? Um, well, a couple of reasons. Uh, it's you know I can't go to New Orleans and tell New Orleans history stories because they'll call me on it, right? But but I feel like I have a little bit more leeway, and it's stuff that you know for 45 years I've heard the story, so it becomes second nature and it adds a level of authenticity to it that I'm telling a story about the town where I came from. Yeah, yeah. So, so you do WD French. You're working on the clowns. Yeah, I've got a circus story. Um, the other one is is the woman in the in the face of the clock at the at the. Uh, courthouse. I, I, I've got an idea for a night, for a, a routine with a clock and some time, and so I'm working on that. I just would like to get more than just anecdotal stories. So, so there's a whole list of, of, of ghosts that people have seen in the in the, the courthouse. The courthouse was built in, I think, 1914, is that right? They've got a big plaque in front that says what it, what, when it was built. And the, of course, I've mentioned the, uh, the the hooded man that they believe is, is Wilbur French. Some of the other ones that are women have said that they hear, some, they feel somebody touching their hair, running their hand through their hair. Uh, three women in the probate water office reported hearing a woman's voice whisper to them. There's pictures on the walls on the second floor that move or change places. Uh, one of the ghosts is a little boy that they've named Jonathan, who appears from behind the judge's bench, peeks out, runs away, and then they can't find him later. But yeah, the, uh, the, the one that I really want to do some research on is the, the, the face and the clock. I just think that there's something about, about time and something about clocks that are is spooky anyway. Where so, is the big the clock up here? Uh, the, all the clocks. There's a grandfather clock on the fourth floor. Second floor, it's on the second floor, I'm sorry. And um, that's, that's the one that, the, that they see it the most in. So, yeah, the, uh, I've, I've got a I'm, a, I'm a watch nerd, and I just like the whole idea of, of, of counting time. At one time, we had, somebody had to say, okay, we're gonna start right now. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. I think that's that's pretty awesome. And so the idea that, that ghosts could be attracted to, to time is kind of a, hmm. a fun deal. We have time for just one more segment, closing out today's show. We hear from Bianca Fisher, executive director of Greeley's Downtown Development Authority. But first, Big thank you to Paul Nossinger, our tour guide through some of the well-known haunts of downtown Greeley. You can find out more about him and his work at themysterycollection.com. And thanks to Matt Estrin for the bourbon and for history behind Greeley's prohibition. Make sure and visit 477 Distilling and be on the lookout for the Greeley Hatchet House opening soon. Once more, we raise a glass, friends. Here's to time. Here's to unfinished business. And here's to our lives taking surprising turns 
like a music pastor opening a distillery to create places of connection, or a finance manager pursuing a new dream of being a magician so that he can remind us this world is still full of magic. We've tasted spirits and told some spooky tales. Let's close today by talking about the spirit of the place, downtown Greeley. We've been doing a segment on Weldfound called Weldfound Me, where we highlight voices of our great county. Here's Bianca giving a bit of her story, why she loves where she lives, and the role she gets to play by helping downtown. My name is Bianca Fisher, and I have been a resident of Greeley and Weld County for about 14 years now. And um, I, I always tell this story, it's, it's been a surprise to me in my uh, love of our community. When I came to Greeley, I came for school and I'd never been to Greeley. So as I drove up 85, I was surprised. It, it felt small, it felt rural, it felt um, so foreign to where I had been living and growing up. And um, it, it's a community and a place that I call home and that I could not imagine leaving. And the reason being, and it, sometimes it's hard to, to put my finger on it and, and explain, but it's a community where uh, you can give and you can participate. You can really join in, in community and getting to know their people. You can make an impact. You can engage um, in, in change. And it's beautiful and it's a great community to be a part of. So I have the privilege of, of serving as the executive director of the Downtown Development Authority. So um, in short, that's making downtown a really fun place to be, to live, to work and, and play and um, you know just join with other people. We, we get to put on fun events like Friday Fest and Oktoberfest and Blarney on the Block and, and we get to see great businesses um, come to life and, and grow and, and developments like hotels and new places to live. And it's, it's, it's really exciting the work that we do because we get to really join with our partners in business owners and investors and our city partners. A big theme and, and word for me is connectedness. We have a district that's about 55 blocks and each, each area is a little bit nuanced. Some is a little bit more college oriented, some is more historic, and then we have this eastern edge that's really industrial. And I love the idea of how we can better connect our district and, and how we can connect people of Greeley and visitors and residents to come and engage and enjoy downtown Greeley. Thank you, Bianca, for sharing. And thanks to Matt and Paul. Thank you to Dave Farrell, a professor at Ames Community College, for sound engineering and helping extra on this episode. And as always, thank you to the Weld Community Foundation, who encourages us to spread the good. For more, head to weldcommunityfoundation.org. Again, thanks for listening to Weld Found. <laughs>